Bug Jargal by Victor Hugo, Chapter 6 My uncle had, on the banks of a little river, which flowed through his estates, a small rustic pavilion in the midst of a clump of trees, where Marie went every day to enjoy the sea breeze, which blows regularly into Santo Domingo, even during the hottest months of the year, from sunrise until evening, and whose freshness increases or diminishes with the heat of the day. I had taken care each morning to adorn this charming retreat with the sweetest flowers that I could gather. One morning, Marie came running to me in a great state of alarm. She had entered, as usual, her leafy retreat, and there she had perceived, with surprise and terror, all the flowers which I had arranged in the morning thrown upon the ground and trampled underfoot. A bunch of wild marigolds, freshly gathered, was placed upon her accustomed seat. She had hardly recovered from her terror when, in the adjoining coppice, she heard the sound of a guitar. Then a voice, which was not mine, commenced to sing a song which seemed to her Spanish, and in which her uneasiness of mind, and without doubt some virgin modesty, had prevented her understanding anything but her name frequently repeated. Then she had taken to flight and happily he had not prevented her. This recital filled me with jealousy and indignation. My first suspicions pointed to the mulatto with whom I had fought, but, even in the midst of my perplexity, I resolved to do nothing rashly. I soothed poor Marie, and promised to watch over her without ceasing, until the time should come when I would be permitted to offer a nearer protection." Believing that the intruder, whose insolence had so alarmed Marie, would not content himself with what he had already done, I concealed myself that very evening near the portion of the house in which my betrothed's chamber was, after everybody was asleep on the plantation. Hidden amongst the tall stalks of the sugar cane, and armed with a dagger, I waited. I did not wait in vain. Towards the middle of the night, a melancholy prelude, rising in the silence some steps from me, suddenly awakened my attention. The noise was for me as a challenge. It was a guitar. It was under the very window of Marie's room. Furious with rage, with my dagger clutched firmly in my hand, I rushed in the direction of the sound, crushing beneath my feet the brittle stalks of the sugar canes. All of a sudden, I felt myself seized and thrown upon my back with what appeared to be superhuman force. My dagger was wrenched from my grasp, and I saw its point shining above my head. At the same moment, I could perceive a pair of eyes and a double row of white teeth gleaming through the darkness, whilst a voice, in accents of concentrated rage, muttered, "'Tetango! Tetango!' I have you. I have you. More astonished than frightened, I struggled vainly with my formidable antagonist, and already the point of the dagger had pierced my clothes when Marie, whom the sound of the guitar and the noise of the struggle had aroused, appeared suddenly at her window. She recognized my voice, saw the gleam of the knife, and uttered a cry of terror and affright. This cry seemed to paralyze the hand of my opponent. He stopped, as if petrified by an enchantment. But still, 
as though undecided, he kept the point of the dagger pressed upon my chest, then suddenly threw it away. No, he said, this time in French. No, she would weep too much. In ending these odd words, he disappeared in the canes, and before I could rise, bruised and shaken from the struggle, no sound and no sign remained of his presence or of his flight. It would be difficult for me to tell that which passed within me from the time I revived from my first stupor in the arms of my sweet Marie, to whom I was so strangely preserved by the one who pretended to claim her. I was more furious than ever with my unknown rival, and was overcome with a feeling of shame at being indebted to him for my life. After all, however, I thought, it is to Marie that I owe it, for it was the sound of her voice that caused him to drop his dagger. However, I could not hide from myself that there was something noble in the sentiment which had caused my unknown rival to spare me. But this rival, what was he then? One supposition after another rose in my mind, all to be discarded in turn. This could not be the mulatto planter to whom my suspicions had first been directed. He was far from having such extraordinary muscular power, and besides, it was not his voice. The man with whom I had a struggle was naked to the waist. Slaves alone went about half-clothed in this manner. But this could not be a slave. The feeling which had caused him to throw away the dagger would not have been found in the bosom of a slave. And besides, my whole soul revolted at the idea of having a slave for a rival. What was to be done? I determined to wait and watch.